What time is it? Let me check my watch. Oh, it's Bone O'Clock. In olden days, our glimpse of femur was only for morbid dreamers. But you want to know, bring anything wrong. Two goofy gals with deathly interest go on a skeleton inquest in your headphones. Anything Hello and welcome to Anything Bones. I'm Sophie Schwartz. I'm Caitlin Hart. We're back. I mean, I'm back. (laughs) You're back. I've been here, but you're back. I'm back. I'm excited to be back. I took a couple weeks off to deal with some family stuff. Um, But Boneheads, we are so excited because today we are joined by two other podcast hosts. We've got Amanda and Desiree here from Cherish Your Parish Podcast. Hello. Welcome, everybody. What's up, what's up? Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on. We're so happy to have you on as fellow Seattle podcasters. And uh, we've got a quadrangle of ladies hanging out on the podcast, which is always wonderful. And... You guys are in your October scary movie. uh, Halloween. Halloween horror horror extravaganza. extravaganza. Yes, our second year doing the extravaganza. So, yeah. And you'll be on one of our episodes of that series. Very exciting. Yes, we are covering a John Waters film, Serial Mom. Which in which a serial mom goes around making a lot of making bones, bones. <laughs> <laughs> and using bones sometimes to make bones. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 She does kill someone with a rack of lamb. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask a little bit for you guys. Have you always been into like the horror and the macabre? Did you come into it later in life? What is your uh, What is your association with the spooky, scary? Yeah, definitely freak since birth um, <laughs> my mom is a big horror fan and was like i don't know if like goth was like a thing in the 60s but she was definitely like a, a horror head like in her teens and like i just grew up watching all sorts of weird stuff and like there'd be like time life book series when i was a kid of like the mysteries of the unknown or true crime weird stuff serial killer culture was like a big deal so never my favorite thing but yeah always digging skeletal yeah spooky shit that might have been weird for a very long time like one of my favorite movies when i was very long was the people under the stairs which is a Wes craven film Mm -hmm. (gasps) and it's weird it's weird weird. (laughs) covered that one on the podcast and indeed it is remains weird remains weird to say uh definitely looking back on it i'm like yeah for a long time loved like the weird stuff not too too I've never liked the general horror movies, like the, uh, what's a good Like the big franchises, like Nightmare and Friday the 13th. Nightmare and Elm Street. I've never really been into those necessarily. I I appreciate them as their own genre of horror. And it's not just not my style. Yeah. So. The Silence of the Lambs? I like more thrillers. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Or, I mean, even like Scream might be similar to Nightmare on Elm Street, but I find it's different. I feel like it's more in the category of the thriller. Like things like that. Yeah, yeah, non supernatural. Non supernatural. Yeah. I want to be actually afraid. I'm not really afraid of the supernatural. So. Yeah, very curious. 
I'm fascinated by the supernatural. Yeah, it's more yeah. fascinating. It's more like, ooh, cool. Wait, why are we scared? <laughs> <laughs> Until the demon comes for ooh. you. <laughs> Do either of y'all have an interest in true crime or is it more just like the spooky horror like fiction? True crime fiction? for sure, true crime. Yeah. yeah. I find it, it's, it's always depressing when you know it's true because sometimes it's really, really yeah. terrible to know for sure. people like that exist at their core and so that's one thing i can't do too much true crime in a row but i do i do enjoy it yeah i definitely kind of grew up watching law and order and then when they like true crime really kind of grew i think out of that sort of audience but there was like that heyday where there was just so many shows which i'm had no discrimination at all of what i was watching but now definitely (laughs) like when you've seen how well it can be handled how respectfully and victim focused it can be handled it's hard to watch stuff that doesn't take that kind of care and i think a lot of it does not take that kind of care so i le- i do have a fascination with it but i try to be careful of not getting in- yeah because like, it just makes you feel yucky yeah. like if you find the wrong way a narrative has been presented it yeah it just doesn't <laughs> i was like what's happening over there uh yeah it just doesn't work for me um, <laughs> but yeah i do love i guess it's almost like a fantasy of justice sometimes that most people do not that's yeah. that eludes most people. So yeah, I think. Sure. And also murder. Sure. Fascinating. <laughs> murder, mystery, the paranormal. Yeah. And I think with that, I would like to start off our bony experience. Yes. Imagine yourself sitting around a campfire and there's crackling fire. There's a... a a whisper in the wind. We're surrounded by deep woods. And I'm going to start off with a little quote here. From the listless repose of the place and the particular character of its inhabitants, who are descendant from the original Dutch settlers, this sequestered glen has long been known by the name of Sleepy Hollow. Mm. A drowsy, dreamy influence seems to hang over the land and to pervade the very atmosphere. Spooky, spooky. So we're going to be talking about Sleepy Hollow. Old Christopher Walken himself. (laughs) The Hessian, the Hessian. (laughs) I'm going to do my sources real quick. We've got a article. Well, we've got a summary from Snoop. Shoop? Smoop? S H M O O P. Schmoop. Yes, Schmoop. Yes. Schmoop. The New York Times, the Shmoop. Washington Post, and Schmoop. Schmoop. Let's just say it more Shmoop. times. I love it. Schmoop. Two articles from Wikipedia, an article from History.com, an article from All Things Interesting, and a photo from Bustle. No information from Bustle, just a photo. I <laughs> noticed the Disney documentary, uh, animated documentary, <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. It's not on there? Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you guys, what is your experience with uh, Sleepy Hollow? Are you familiar with the legend? Are you familiar with perhaps any films? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the, yeah. t- the Tim... Burton one. Yeah, Tim Burton one with Johnny Depp. Yep. I've definitely heard the story much sooner than seen it on film. I think I've definitely seen the Disney one. The Disney one, I came out when I was very young and like scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it was very <laughs> scary to me as a kid. And yeah, just so, I mean, the Tim Burton movie is almost pretty much that Disney movie, but yeah. like a little expanded. Uh, Christina Ricci's character in there. Um, but yeah, pretty... Yeah, the headless horseman. That's pretty much the all I know. Horseman, the whole 
Expanded in that movie actually to be a hesh a Hessian. Wasn't it a pumpkin in the the kids one? Like it's yes, a pumpkin. It was a pumpkin. Mm, yeah, cartoon. Well, of course, uh, I love the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, and then I was present when Sophie saw it for the first time recently. Yes, and it was so fun because it. It's so up her alley because it's not like overtly scary, but it is so spooky. And even though we we as a unit don't really like Johnny Depp, <laughs> we love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Christopher Walken in that movie. Oh, seriously, great. like the, stealing the every scene that he's in. With his weird pointy teeth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I feel like I looked it up once, and I think he's uncredited for that. Or maybe they just didn't. Yes. Put, right. It's just or like I think so they random. didn't list him um, like in the trailers and stuff, and they kept yeah. it like a secret that he was oh. that horseman, I think, <laughs> or something like that. I remember being very surprised when I saw the movie yeah. in the theater. I'm like, because I love Christopher Walken. I was like, what? I can't believe he's in this. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? But I don't know the Disney version, which is weird because I've seen a lot of Disney movies. Uh, uh, so I want to see that sometime. And yeah, I mean, I guess like everybody kind of knows generally the legend of, you know, Sleepy Hollow is this town where the Headless Horseman comes and wants to take your head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I have some sort of fun historical context around this and also some spooky coincidences uh, that have to do with bones. So as we were talking about, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a gothic story by American author Washington Irving. You can't trust a man with two last names, though. (laughs) I will say that. (laughs) So... Sleepy Hollow was actually contained in a collection of 34 essays and short stories that was called The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You have that? No, I said I love that. I've never heard that before. (laughs) I have that. Of course. I have that. I have those essays. All of the works of Jeffrey Crayon. Man, it's, it's hilarious because I was like, "Who the fuck is Jeffrey Crayon? Like, is that like a oh, character?" That's my next character's but no, name, that was... whatever improv scene I'm in, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> oh, it's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Crayon here at the service. <laughs> I mean, that was this guy's pen name, oh. and he was like in a review. Someone like outed him. Like they were like, "Oh, Washington Irving," you know, known as Jeffrey Crayon, and he was like, I "Oh, hate come that. on!" Like, let Lemony Snicket be Lemony Snicket. <laughs> let Banksy be Banksy. You guys, let Jeffrey Crayon. Let Jeffrey B. Crayon. <laughs> crayon. <laughs> come on. So, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow itself was first published in 1819. <laughs> along with his other pretty well-known piece Rip Van Winkle which I believe is the guy who fell asleep under a tree for like a hundred years yeah I think and then woke oh, up okay. yeah but it's interesting because the legend of Sleepy Hollow is kind of one of our earliest examples of like American Halloween specific fiction so I wanted to give a little summary of the plot just for those who might not be familiar with it So there is a guy named Ichabod Crane, and he lives in Sleepy Hollow, and he is the teacher and choir master. One day, Ichabod realizes that sort of the richest guy in town has a really beautiful daughter who he is determined to fall in love with. 
but she is also kind of in a thing with this guy named Brom, and they're both vying for the affections of the same woman. There is a big party held at the rich family's home, and Ichabod goes. Ichabod is, his affections are rebuffed by his love, and as he's going home, he meets with the headless horseman who chases him and throws his head at him, and then Ichabod is vanished and never to be seen again. And there are lots of different iterations of this story, but that's kind of the basic legend. So besides being one of the first like iconic American tales, it also carries like some rings of truth. Irving didn't invent the Headless Horseman. This is actually a figure of folklore that's been around since the Middle mm -hmm. Ages. Yeah, and it's also been mentioned in like the Brothers Grimm stories. But it's most prominently connected to an Irish folklore figure called the Dullahan, also known as the Gone Clean, which is Irish for no head. <laughs> gone clean? Gone clean? I've gone clean. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not 100% sure. I looked up how to say it, but I hope I hope you know, that's you never right. know. That'd be great. <laughs> Irish or Gaelic is is a confusing language if you didn't grow up with it. So basically, the story of the Dullahan, which I think is a uh, easier to say. So it's it's Irish. He's a headless rider on a black horse who carries his own head. Uh, usually is male, but there are female iterations of this. So. Equality. People of all Feminism. genders can be a headless horseman. Good. And yeah. our murderous specters. <laughs> yeah. This guy, this person, like, if you meet this thing, you just don't want to. Because, like, basically the image of it is that it has a giant grinning mouth that, like, touches both the sides of its head. And its eyes are constantly moving around to try to find you. And the flesh of its head is said to be, like the color and consistency of moldy cheese. Oh, like melting off. Yeah, and it carries a whip that's made of a human spine. <sighs> and its wagon is adorned with, like, skulls that are, like, like candles attached to skulls, and the spokes are made of thigh so bones. It's like a total Dracula, like, in the white zombie sense. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, rolling up covered in bones <laughs> and if he sees you and calls out your name you die yeah. game over you're done is there a way to stop him well if you have a golden object and you put it in his path that's said to stop him so he just wants some money yeah he j he he's he's trying to rob you <laughs> which is definitely like how it's talked about in the tim burton movie like he is a mercenary mm -hmm. so just whoever's the highest Payer, essentially, I actually just haven't him. been so many years since I've seen it that I'm all, I'm my, recoll so my recollection right of this is yeah <laughs> like he's being controlled by not just my I mean he's still like a evil spirit mm -hmm. but like I could be wrong yeah spoiler alert also if you have not seen this movie <laughs> oh yeah I mean we're we're gonna spoil the you shit out of all this <laughs> 18 year old Tim Burton movie <laughs> Even, what the fuck are you doing? Stop listening. Story, like from like the 1800s. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's headless. <laughs> no spine whip, though, which I really would be like, come on, Tim Burton, get it together. Where's the spine, spine whip? whip? No. He might have gotten an R Does rating he? for that. I don't know what it was rated. Oh, man. <laughs> that movie has a, a, a 
blood shooting out of a tree made of. Is it already gore. Are, Is that what you're trying to tell? I was very dark. I yeah, remember. it's 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 very yeah, gothic. It's very gothic. Very gothic. Another kind of influence for this is the. Arthurian tale, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. There's actually a movie that recently came out that's of this tale that looks really Mm -hmm. good. And in this, basically a forest spirit giant, green giant, comes to like the court of King Arthur and is like, hey, like if one of you can do like a killing blow, chop off my head, you know, please do that. But in return, I'm going to come, you got to come to my castle and I'm going to do the same blow on you. And they're like, okay, all right. And so one of the knights goes and chops off his head and they're like, ah, ha, ha, stupid guy. And guy walks over, picks up the head and then dips out and is like, see you this time next year. Oh, shit. (laughs) So- Elizabeth Barley, who is a historian at the historic Hudson Valley, says that one of the likely sources for Irving's Headless Horseman could be Sir Walter Scott's 1796 The Chase, which is a translation of a German poem, The Wild Huntsman by Gottfried Berger. (laughs) These names. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they think that in turn is based on Norse mythology. So... Kind of the long and the short of it is, is that headless horsemen have been kind of a staple of spooky lore for centuries. All right. In addition to these like folklore influences, there's also a lot of inspiration drawn from real people who were living in Irving's town at the time that he was writing this. Probably the most famous one is something you mentioned offhandedly at the beginning of this segment is the Hessian soldier. This is a great little story. So Hessians were these, during the Revolutionary War, the Germans sent some marksmen and like horsemen over to help us with the British. Because nobody likes the (laughs) British. Um, (laughs) And so during one of these, during the Battle of White Plains in 1776, one of these Hessian dudes was just hanging out, doing his thing, and got his head blown off by an American cannon. Oopsie <laughs> our bad. Yeah. <laughs> Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Thanks for your trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, so kind of the story goes that this Hessian soldier may have been, you know, what what people thought when they found this, they found a headless corpse on the battlefield. They're like, oh, it must be this guy. And they later buried him in the Von Tassel family cemetery, which is the old Dutch burial grounds. And there kind of started to be a rumor around the town that the Hessian soldier would rise at night because he was buried around Halloween. He would rise at night and ride around looking for his head, wielding a jack-o'-lantern. And in a lot of different variations, this would happen on Halloween. So we've already got this legend beginning to form before this story is even written. So he's like, I'm just going to crib this local legend <laughs> real quick. So the Von Tassel family is a real family that lived in this area. Yes. Interesting. Wowza. Okay. They absolutely are. Yeah. And a lot of people are are skeptical as to like whether or not this Hessian story happened. But in 1789, the memoir of General William Heath wrote, quote, A shot from the American cannon at this place took off the head of a Hessian artillery man. Well, 
Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. More more hilariously and 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 sadly, there was another soldier named Anthony Maxwell who was said to witness this and talked about it for years after. Of course, well, that would, yeah. I don't think I could probably top that memory. Hopefully, hopefully, nothing worse would happen that I would witness yeah. that wouldn't kill me. You I mean, know, like. What other story would you tell? Like, <laughs> I get blown off once. <laughs> yeah, I would start every party like that. I'd be like, hello, my name is Anthony Maxwell. I saw a guy get his head shot off by a cannon one time. Then he Cats searched for his head. <laughs> I mean, this is also like, what, the early 1800s, late 1700s? Like, I mean, it's not like you're going to yeah. be like, oh, I met Sean Penn once or whatever. <laughs> You know, <laughs> only it's so a much. very cool story. I don't know. Like, what are your stories going to be like? Oh, I survived typhoid. I got kicked by a horse. The only I saw reason guys he, I mean, <laughs> the only reason why he wouldn't tell that story is if he wanted to save it to one up somebody later. True. True. So true, true. true. Very true. But kind of going off of what something you just said, Amanda, about surviving plagues. Yeah. Another kind of influence on uh, the writing of this tale was that when Irving was 15, he had to actually get out of New York City to go up to Terrytown, which is kind of where this Sleepy Hollow is kind of set, because there was an outbreak of yellow fever that killed about 5,000 people. (laughs) So he had to go up to this more rural town, which really inspired the writing of Sleepy Hollow because of the eerie kind of mood of the trees and the Catskill Mountains and all the Dutch architecture. There was a lot, a lot of people were like, he was very inspired by the Dutch architecture. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this architecture really must be something. (laughs) It's like wooden and dark. Yeah, exactly. And kind of as we, as you hinted at Amanda, there were a lot of real people's names that he took from actual residents and people that he met. There's actually a man named Ichabod Crane is a real, was a real life army colonel who served under uh, New York General Daniel B. Tompkins during the War of 1812. And him and Irving were stationed at the same place, but there's no actual proof that him and the real Ichabod Crane ever met. Mm. But I think he really liked his name. Yeah. yeah. With a name like that, your reputation precedes you. <laughs> you don't have to meet them. But it's so funny like to think of like how, because of the story, the concept, the name Ichabod Crane is like spindly and frail. You don't think of like an army captain or whatever. It's very interesting like yeah. that was the character to have that name. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, off of that, Ichabod Crane, the character, is kind of an amalgam of, like, he has the name of this army general, but they think he's, like, in, like, form and, like, personality based off of this guy, Jesse Merwin, who was, like, a school teacher in the town where Irving lived. But fun fact about Jesse, him and Irving were both friends with Martin Van Buren, who became the eighth president. What? There was, like, nobody okay. living wait. here. You could just, like, know this everyone. This is such a small place back in the day. Like, wait, you're just friends with the next president just casually. Like, what? It's just like, oh, yeah, him and I, we both knew Martin yeah. Van Buren. There was only, He's president no now. How weird yeah, is no that? No wonder we know this story, though, right? Talk about privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, in one of his State of the Unions, he was like, yes, everything's going pretty well with the country. Also, have you read uh, the essays of Jeffrey exactly. Crayon? <laughs> this isn't sponsored or anything. I just really like this book. <laughs> I just really like this book. This guy's got some fun ideas. <laughs> But also going off of more real people, Katarina von Tassel was a real person. Yeah, the Christina love Ricci. In yeah, oh, yeah, we know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're Ricci heads on this on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, like Irving did stay with the von Tassels for a while and asked them if he could like use her name and like model a character oh. after her. She was like, "Cool, all right." Yeah, Do that's it. hella that's cool. cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll be immortalized. Awesome. Yeah. No, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't make me the, the beautiful love interest. That would make me so <laughs> mad. <laughs> but there's actually a great quote from Tara Von Tassel, who is a living descendant of the Von Tassel family. And she says, quote, in Washington Irving's story, the Von Tassels have money, but it's a story based on several real people and a name taken from a gravestone. So I think that's it's interesting that he's cribbing names off of gravestones because there's it kind of goes back to this past and present coming together with the headless horseman because there's a professor at the National University who specializes in Gothic studies. His name is Franz Potter. Um, he's not a wizard. <laughs> but he says that the Headless Horseman is a supernatural entity that kind of represents the past that dies but always haunts the living. And he has a great quote that says, quote, The Headless Horseman supposedly seeks revenge and a head, which he thinks was unfairly taken from him. This injustice demands that he continually search for a substitute. The horseman, like the past, still seeks answers, still seeks retribution, and can't rest. We are haunted by the past, which stalks us so that we never forget it. And I think that's interesting that that's kind of one of the themes of it, because it has real people in it. It's the past kind of lives on both through this legend and through this paranormal entity. Yeah, the other interesting thing is that Ichabod in the Disney version, the Tim Burton version, is the outsider mm-hmm. and an educator. And so, like, coming into these very cloistered communities that have their secrets, that have their darkness, that they are desperately trying to keep under wraps, and Ichabod mm-hmm. is there, the person who's shedding a light on these things. Even in the Disney version, he kind of questions what he sees as backwards traditions of the town. He's treated with distrust. And in both cases, the romantic interest of the daughter of the kind of patriarch of the town is even more suspicious and like threatening. And so like, it is an interesting of like this idea of the past being dredged up. And in this case, you know, in the Tim Burton version being motivated to eliminate anything that would resolve those past things or taking responsibility or having culpability in the past, which is a very prescient concept even now, like when we think of, you know, atonement for systemic injustices or even anything, you know, it's very interesting. Yes. Yes, I was going to say it's interesting because it kind of you guys are familiar with a lot of horror movies, right? And kind of the tropes of horror movies. And like the, you know, indigenous burial ground, like themes and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, A lot of American horror is based on like guilt. Mm -hmm. 
and how the past of like what you have done comes back to you to haunt you whether you're the one who did it or not um and you know that collective guilt white guilt of you know colonizers this is almost kind of adjacent to that it's kind of a first iteration of the american theme of guilt and horror so i that's, thought that yeah. was very interesting that's really as well interesting. That's really interesting deeper than i've ever thought about it <laughs> so <laughs> well i just thought it was so interesting that there were that he took kind of the pastiche of what was around him both his setting real people that he met legends that were prominent of the time and kind of almost consolidated them into one legend so i think that's and it's just interesting because we get to see a little peek you know through his fiction we see a little peek into some of the things that were going on at that time maybe some of their prejudices maybe some of their attitudes Mm -hmm. realized through this paranormal horror yeah this like interesting particularly in the context of war like any war we just experienced like generationally that's kind of the one you're examining and so as time goes on, things very much get flattened. So our thought of the, especially in the American conscious, like American Revolution, everything was perfect and great and justified, but you yep. can't even probably fathom, like in this case, like random European mercenaries being sent over and their heads blown yeah. off and are their families ever informed? What happens to those people? What of all the indigenous communities literally yes. genocidally wiped off the map yeah and just a choice to collectively forget in the name of manifest destiny or whatever it is yeah it is it's sadly fascinating <laughs> to see like the ways that like yeah art will always examine those things art will always be an ichabod crane showing up with his mule and his books or whatever yeah like, what are you doing in here what are you doing it's happening here Look at all my tools. I'm going to cut this body up. What? What? Yeah, it's funny. In the in the live action version, he's like a a cop like an or like a detective or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But also like but. a forensic scientist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of do love like historical, you know, a historical historical movies where it's like it'll be a catch-all like I'm a scientist. And I know everything. It's kind of like um, Scully from X-Files, who is a medical doctor, but also a forensic pathologist and a lab expert. (laughs) Knows every chemical. How much school did you go to? She's also awesome. Forget it. I love it. (laughs) She's a woman of many talents. She's impressive. What (laughs) can you say? (laughs) Yeah. At least on Bones, they have several different people for all this. A little more (laughs) adherent to the whatever is happening. That's true. More modern the thing is, the more they cover those kinds of bases, I think. (laughs) People don't know that enough. (laughs) That's your tale? Yeah, that's my my tale. I learned so much about... Sleepy Hollow that I didn't even realize. I'm literally going to watch Sleepy Hollow again tonight. We have two other movies to watch for our podcast, but yeah, I haven't watched that movie in a while, and I that's good. It's a good one. I I think it holds up. We watched it a few months ago, and it's fun. Yeah, I like the I love like we talked about already. I loved the coloring of it, like just like the yeah the whole 
theme of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tone of it. Yeah, yeah and then Christina Ricci's dresses, right? Aren't they just gorgeous? Yeah. Yes. Oh like, my god. The dress? costume design is yes. The costume design is flawless. Some it's cool very good. witchcraft elements in that one. That definitely not in the Disney version. Um, but yeah, I definitely it reminds me of like that. a cameo portrait for some reason. Yeah. Definitely of the era. It's the right. It's the right vibe. It all comes back to death and bones. It's time for an ad. Hey there, fellow true crime aficionados. We are the host of Bad Axe Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. Join us every Thursday for twisted true crime tales, bad deeds, and the supernatural. We've covered family annihilators, cold-blooded baby daddies, cannibals, and even people who blame zombies, ghosts, and voodoo for their bad acts. Bad acts. If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Stay safe out there, you big baddies, and bye 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 now back to the show. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready for our for our final bony tale? Yes, of course. more bones. Oh. More bones. I so I decided to go for a little more true crime. Mm-hmm. This is a murder that took place in kind of old Hollywood. So I'm going to tell you about actor director William Desmond Taylor. Oh, he's old. Sounds he's sort of an, like this my is name. an oldie. Desmond is sort of yeah, pretty yeah, close. the male version of my name, I would say. Yeah, Desmond is using Sunset Boulevard immediately, though, for sure. Hello, it's me, Desmond. Desmond. You want to be a star? <laughs> well, it turns out that wasn't his real name. Oh. Uh, he was born William <laughs> Cunningham Dean Tanner. That's too much. Also, yeah. really, like, I was... I was really expecting a very European or obviously Jewish or a, a name that people would <laughs> yeah. change to not face discrimination. Right. But he went from one very white dude name to another very like bland just ass, just, just English, yeah, yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, this guy was Irish American. <laughs> so he was born in 1872 in Mallows County, Cork, Ireland. Ooh. And he and his family eventually made their way to New York. And then in 1908, when he was 36 years old, he like leaves home and he goes to Hollywood, oh. baby. Big yes. life, big yeah. city. Wow. He's living a Billy Joel <laughs> song. <goals. laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's 1908. And he 37. has made his way. Yeah, He's I, gonna I, be... I should go. That's my age right now. I, this is my time to go to Hollywood. Hey, I listen, guess. lots, lots of people that they're come on, Desmond. It's your time. <laughs> Change your name. Get your ass down there. So first off, he was an actor on the stage, and then he was also in some motion pictures. So we're in the era of like silent films right now. So I've never seen any of these movies that he was in. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are into silent I films, but uh, can be a real douchebag <laughs> when it comes to arty farty films. But even I am like, holy shit, they're just—they're not even talking. I was like, but, but so is, is it on the Criterion Channel? There's lots of on the Criterion Channel I don't watch. I'll tell you what. You know, it's just not the same without the full orchestra playing underneath. Yeah, I feel it's yeah, more of an experience than to just sit at home like. 
I guess I could just play my own music over them. But no, I don't. I've probably not seen this movie. Oh my god, now that would be something. <laughs> yeah, just modern music over the silent film. <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of walk is yeah. there, you know, running around trying to catch the guy who tied the lady to the train tracks. To do Murnau's Nosferatu and Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> what are some? What are some of the movies? They have cool names. So I've got a couple. Uh, he was in in 1914. He was in a movie called The Criminal Code. Ooh. And then in 1915, he was called. He was called. He was in a film <laughs> called An Eye for an Eye. Oh, I've seen that. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, an eye for oh, an eye? Means... That's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite movies from 1915. You guys, that makes the whole world blind. <laughs> Me so and all the went down to the Cineodeon and we got ourselves some popcorn for a penny apiece. It was eye for an eye. I've never seen it six times, but why not go for a seven? <laughs> a penny and a half for Old a sport, I fell asleep. <laughs> I burnt all the time with my cigarette when I passed out. <laughs> And then I woke up, had a double gin, and then went and drove my oh, car. No. Without a seatbelt. <laughs> What's a seatbelt? They weren't invented back then, you see. I wasn't even allowed to have a driver's license as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> now let's have a cigarette. <laughs> I also, I should say my sources, duh. I, of course, went to Wikipedia, History.com, Timeline.com, and then HollywoodForever.com. No shit. Hell, yeah. Hell yeah, Hollywood forever. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, Tinseltown, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> so so he's in The Criminal Code and An Eye for an Eye, and the reviews for these films are just great. Like, he's killing it right off the bat. Mm. And then in, I guess in 1914, he also makes his directorial debut, and he gets kind of more into directing rather than acting. And he directed a lot of successful Mary Pickford movies. Okay. And if that name like really sounded familiar to me, and I didn't know why, and I looked her up, she's just like a famous silent film actress, but I don't know why the name kind of stuck out to me. Mary Pickford. Maybe something to look into more. Yeah, I just was day. like, that name is familiar. And then I looked at a picture and I, uh, I looked at a picture of her and I was like, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> y'all, this is how we all know her. She's known as America's sweetheart. Oh, I feel what? like what the Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I thought that was Reese Witherspoon. I thought Reese Witherspoon, and then also Julie Andrews. Wait, no, she's Jennifer British. Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, was the nineties one. <laughs> Oh, she invented spotlighting. <laughs> oh. Mary Pickford. Okay. Why She's like, you... I need a light just on me. Maybe maybe we learned about her in a theater class or Tech something. Theater, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mary Pickford. Mystery unsolved. <laughs> <laughs> Back to William Desmond Taylor. Uh, let's call him Desi. <laughs> Do it. You don't mind? <laughs> no. That's not, no, I don't want to call him that. It's like I love Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll call him William. Let me be a little nicer. He did die horribly. Billy. Uh, we're going to get oh, to it. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. I told you it was an yeah, old Hollywood murder. It's fine. I forgot, okay? I was. <laughs> I was this is a, the Anything Bones podcast. That's true. Yeah, you knew I was going to bring it down eventually. <laughs> 
Yeah, unfortunately, if we start talking about someone who's alive, they probably yeah, will no, be. Yeah, alive. yeah. Um, okay, so before he dies, uh, so in 1918, he signs a contract with Famous Players Lasky, which eventually became Paramount Pictures. Ever heard of it? Yeah. I have. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so overall... Overall, Taylor, William Desmond Taylor directed 59 silent films, Damn. five, nine. And that was between 1914 and 1922. And then he also acted in 27 of those, or probably not the same films, but he was in 27 silent films between 1913 and 1915. Dang. So that's a lot, actually. Probably for that time. I know. He, he really like did a lot in his in not a lot of time. So we are in, I think, Sophie's favorite era. We're in the Roaring Twenties. Hell yeah, mm. old sport. Yeah, we are in Hollywood. Everybody's jitterbug again. Exactly, exactly. So this is a, like a very extravagant time, obviously, but it's also known for having some scandals. So in 1921, Hollywood got kind of rocked by this trial of roscoe fatty arbuckle and i don't like that his nickname is fatty (laughs) like i just (laughs) want to say right now but apparently he was tried three separate times and then acquitted and exonerated for the 1921 rape and murder of actress virginia rapp r-a-p-p-e so this really shocked everybody And then right on the heels of that, basically, on February 1st, 1922, actor and director William Desmond Taylor is found shot to death in his Westlake mansion. And he was about two months shy of his 50th birthday when this happened. So that morning, a neighbor woke to like screaming, running, somebody was running down the street screaming, Mr. Taylor is dead, Mr. Taylor is dead. And it turns out that this is Henry Peavy, who worked for William as his cook and valet. The valet had arrived to the mansion to work early in the morning and found Taylor lying on the floor. He'd been shot in the back. And eventually neighbors would recall hearing what they assumed was a car backfiring around nine o'clock the night before. So we think this probably happened the day before. So the night of January 31st into February 1st. One couple like in the neighborhood had looked out their window and they are eventually going to tell the police that they saw some what they thought was a man leaving Taylor's mansion. So when the police are called to the mansion, they find just a bunch of craziness going on. Apparently, quote, two Paramount executives were burning papers in the fireplace. Oh. Mabel Normand, close friend and supposed lover of Taylor, was feverishly ransacking his bureau for compromising documents. Police found the contents crammed with pornographic material, drugs, and lingerie. So... This guy, a lot of just kind of sordid details of his life surfaced. He was into drugs, you know, he, he was, he liked the ladies. Um, (laughs) And a lot of it is kind of hard to know what's true and what's not. Like, because especially at this time, Sophie and I have talked about this before. Newspapers were really into just printing like whatever the fuck they wanted. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Making stuff up. Yeah, so we don't need to get into like all the all the details of his, you know, his life and his sex life and everything. But one of the things that did come out that I think is really interesting 
Before he came to Hollywood, apparently he had abandoned his wife and daughter in New York. And then he said he was going to Klondike to pan for gold during the gold rush. And everybody's like, what happened to him? We don't know. Apparently the wife and daughter were at the movies and just like saw him on screen one day and we're just like so uh dad oh my god oh my god and that's it that, that is that's insane and imagine just being yeah. abandoned by your husband in the tw- teens like yeah how hard was that life jesus for exactly people. and then you're like oh he probably died you yeah, know he was likely. searching for gold yeah he, there's we're never gonna know and then oh no he's actually in hollywood millionaire movie yeah. star exactly what a um, shit that's i was to the shit out him? of him yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great question <laughs> i see motive yeah i mean i don't i, I mean don't yeah fair guy. enough <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna. That's wild. <laughs> Get yeah. Beverly up in so there. A movie? Uh, they should make a movie about this guy. They should. Yeah. Serial mom in I history. Think... <laughs> so basically, I think this guy was maybe not the greatest dude of all time. <laughs> <laughs> really? I will say, I feel this era is not a great time for men. When has been the good time for men? Like, it's just, there was really, like, the gold when, rush, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'm not going to say things are, you know, always great for them now, you know, now, Never. as far as some behavior is concerned <laughs> towards women. Uh, but, yeah, I really feel this was, like, a time of just fucking... Blatantly okay. Peace and now. But also, it was, like, pre-depression. This is a crazy time. This is a crazy time. Yeah. Exactly. Especially in Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a lawless. It's still, yeah, it's still a little bit lawless. Like, you don't know yeah, how to yeah, definitely. some of the laws. Yeah, depending on how rich you are, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there were, you know, the, the police are starting their investigation and they end up coming up with a, a quite a few suspects. Quote, a sorted suspect list was drawn up by the police. A deranged stage mother drug dealers, a lovelorn teenage cinema star, and members of a gay opium cult were just a few of the convoluted leads, end quote. Let me know more <laughs> about this gay opium cult, because... Yeah, I was gonna that say, was I literally that. the only mention of it in my sources. I was just like, excuse uh, me, you're just uh, gonna say gay opium cult and you're not gonna follow it up with anything? <laughs> Is there um, any information about this outside of this guy's yeah, name? Like, yeah, what's like, happening here? I don't really know. Like, I think some people thought that he himself was gay, but you know, it does it doesn't matter either way. Like, it's not it whatever does yeah. It just like I don't know what happened or why he would have been involved in a gay orgies. opium cult. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. he's yeah, down to clown. Say. It doesn't matter. You know? That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he seems like he's open to a yeah. lot of stuff. He's an artist. It's like an era yeah. of new American hedonism, you know? Yeah. yeah. Artist. Yeah. <laughs> so he said so, to his wife when she showed up again. Yeah. I'm <laughs> an artist. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, and who are those people? He's like, that's the gay opium cult. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Hey, you want some opium? <laughs> so the last person to see him alive, allegedly, was uh, one of 
these Hollywood it girls. Uh, her name was Mabel Normand, and she she was one of the people like looking through his shit when the police arrived. Um, <laughs> try, I, Not suspicious no, at all. No, no, that's fine. So they were linked possibly romantically, not really sure. But she was apparently addicted to cocaine. And William was trying to help her like get clean. And he apparently had reported her drug dealers to the police to maybe like kind of get her problem fixed at the source maybe is what he was thinking. So it was a possibility that because of this link to drug dealers, maybe somebody had tried to get revenge on him going to the police. We don't know. Another theory was, and this is this is the best one. <laughs> Another theory was that it, those neighbors didn't actually see a man leaving his home, but they saw Charlotte Shelby, who is the mother of this starlet, young Hollywood starlet. Her name is Mary Miles Minter. And she is a, quote, Taylor protege. So it sounds like she was working a lot with William Desmond Taylor. She was in love with him, but he had rebuffed her saying he was too old for her because she's a teenager at the time. And I, here I wrote, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say way to do the basic right, right thing. Like, just like, hey, I didn't, you know, that's not where I thought the story was going. So Yeah, I really thought it was exactly. going to be yeah. like a whole, like, and now the mom is pissed because she couldn't like, pimp out her kid to yeah like what's the motive that's there? fucked up like, well okay okay so so there are rumors that some of the lingerie that was found at william's house had mary miles minter's like initials on it it said like mmm or something and so her mom who is by all accounts just this horrible like stage mom uh she is furious at the even possibility that taylor was sleeping with her daughter so it wasn't that she couldn't pimper out anymore i think it was more like she was upset that they were possibly sleeping together oh even though but so he says she rejected her but in reality maybe he didn't and then this it's mom is totally about unclear it. yeah it's like we're never gonna know, we'll know what the and like maybe yeah who knows well, uh, yeah he it sounds like he said that he did not have an inappropriate relationship with her but maybe she wanted that and that's that just sounds like what he would say, say. exactly yeah <laughs> and if he was you know hiding his male lover wouldn't he also say that you know yeah. like who knows who and if knows. he left his wife and his yeah. entire family is obviously stuff. okay with lying about yeah stuff. Come on. exactly yeah <laughs> so again not the best dude ever <laughs> <laughs> but over the years, Mary Miles Minter, this, um, she was, you know, a young starlet at the time of this murder, but she and her sister accused their mother of killing William Desmond Taylor. She apparently said, oh. quote, my mother killed everything I ever loved. Oh, snap. So, Maybe sounds like a, a healthy relationship. Serial mom there. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our episode on Cherish or Perish yeah, about Cherish or Cherish or and wherever you get your app <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> wherever you get your app from which you once will get your podcasts. <laughs> 
So another suspect was a guy named Edward Sands, who was a former valet of Williams. Uh, I guess he had previously robbed him and was long, quote, long considered a leading suspect, but the police were unable to find him. Okay. So then he gets away with it. Bye. So we're done. I guess. He's not right in front of us. So So. we don't. It must be somebody else. Let's find a different theory. (laughs) Yeah. Can't be the guy that's the lead suspect. Katuna, I have a question. What? Is when you say valet, is he like park a car valet or is he a like valet. get your ties ready? I think valet. I think more of the old school valet. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, a little yeah, bit. Thank more... you for the clarification. I did in my yeah, head yeah. think he just drove him around like a limo driver. Or I mean, he probably did that too. Around. I don't really know, but I'm thinking like Downton Abbey mm-hmm. kind of yes. valet. You know, like uh, let me get my sh- your shoes on your foot for you, sir. So then he has thing. access to his house for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Like so maybe have access to his toothbrush, like he would have. So he could have easily him. killed him. Oh, for sure. And used his toothbrush, but we'll never know because he <laughs> disappeared inappropriately. So there was, this is just so weird. And there's literally one sentence about this in my source. Apparently in Atlantic City, there there came an anonymous confession letter from a quote, educated man saying like, I killed William Desmond Taylor, but this is an anonymous letter. So what's anybody going to do about it? And then in 1964, on her deathbed, silent film star Margaret Gibson asks for a priest and then when the priest gets there she's like i killed william desmond taylor what the <gasps> fuck wait who yeah. did that who was that some just some some random some lady not random some lady some no. rando <laughs> she, lady. she her name is margaret gibson and she was a silent film star that had worked with william desmond taylor in the past but we don't know her motive we just know she no confessed. It, was, <laughs> it was just a deathbed confession okay. and then goodbye interesting so well i mean it's got to be her since she hadn't shown up yet in the story right <laughs> i guess i mean the person you least suspect it's always i was gonna say yeah was she even a she didn't show Harry. up until 1964 like, she confessed. you legit. met me in act one that's actually yeah, yeah. why yeah. she changed her name maybe making up stuff now so no, but they never figured it out. They never no, they it never figure it out. Despite all of these <sighs> suspects, these weird confessions, you know, there were books released that you know professed the truth, their version of the truth. But there's never been a, like a general consensus on what happened. So his murder is unsolved officially. And then the two actresses kind of linked to him. So Mary Miles Minter and then Mabel Normand, their careers just never recover from the scandal. And his murder actually does kind of leave a mark on the Hollywood industry, movie industry, whatever. So like we were kind of talking about, Hollywood was a little bit of a lawless town at this point. Some people, quote, claimed it was run by cocaine crazed sexual lunatics. (laughs) As the whole world is. I mean, we're finding out that's kind of. Yes. Right. (laughs) So there's outcry from these like conservative political religious groups. And they are like, we want these, we want movies to be like proper and wholesome. And so this results in all like dozens of censorship bills all around the the country. The the pre and post code eras. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm going to get into that. And like I said, I kind of said at the beginning, there was. 
right before this murder, there was the fat, this guy, Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle was accused of rape and murder. And then I guess he was apparently acquitted later on, but this had rocked the industry. And then also Taylor's murder. And then there were a bunch of actresses that were dying of drug overdoses around the time. So this, all of those things kind of combined together and they hire uh, William H. Hayes, the studio, the movie studios do. William, quote, is going to help fend off government censorship by creating a self-policing system of don'ts and be carefuls. Wow. <laughs> so this is, yeah, here we go. Quote, profanity, miscegena- miscegenation. Does anyone know what that miscegenation, means? Miscegenation, uh, mixing of the races. So showing oh. romantic relationships oh. between people of... Yeah, <laughs> okay. Of course, of course yeah. they went there. Yeah. Uh, so profanity, that, sex perversion, and white slavery are prohibited. <gasps> I'm offended uh, yeah. by this. I know, I know. I'm like shaking reading this. <laughs> Continuing, <laughs> the use of the flag and excessive lustful kissing were to be handled with caution, and then moral behavior becomes a requirement in actors' contracts at this point. Yeah, these don't yeah, be I mean, carefuls. Like, sounds are, okay at first, but what does moral yeah. behavior mean to you? Like <laughs> exactly, racism, misogyny. Yeah. Also, uh, like, take your pick. Was the precursor to blacklisting of supposedly communist sympathizers or people who worked in the industry, and it would be like a violation of contract to if you wanted to date someone of a different race, if you wanted to be outwardly homosexual, if you anything. It's like the was the control of, I mean, it's even like Disney. Not very long ago. You still I mean, with children, still very much with child yeah. stars with Disney and stuff that have mm-hmm. like moral clauses in their contracts. It's insane. It's like yeah. Oh yeah. But sleep with your fourteen year old cousin or whatever the fuck. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. Right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, then you'd have stories of like Cary Grant and I'm like, I'm dying. I cannot remember the name of the other actor who were roommates for their whole lives. And it's like, yeah, just like, just roommates. And it's just so sad that even in their deaths, like so much of their lives were hidden. And so you'll never know the truth of those, Mm -hmm. of those people. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after these, uh, these, you know, this self-policing, you know, that they tried, these don'ts and these be carefuls, guess what? It didn't fucking work. Of course not. They couldn't, they couldn't self-police anything. <laughs> um, so, so by 1934, studios again need to like up their moral standards. And then, quote, films were required to get a certificate of approval from the production code administration before a movie could be released. Gone were the inventive plot lines, subversive female leads, and the raw stuff of American culture. Yeah. So. Way to go, Desmond. Yeah. So Way they to get kinda, murdered. <laughs> thanks, Fuck Desmond. everything up. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> it is just so interesting, like a confluence of so many things probably happened. Yeah, I think the Black yeah. Dahlia murder would have been not super long after that. After Let's that period, maybe in the forties. Which one? So right. That's the forties. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I, and you were talking about. I was like, I wonder. I wasn't sure if it was the what what time period this was going to end in, and mm-hmm. so I was like wondering where it was if it was going to hit hit that point. Yeah, but um, Fatty Arbuckle is actually a 
fascinating, very tragic figure. Um, I would say in the early aughts, there was like a biography written by about him that was supposed to be really good. Um, and this other author, Jerry Stahl? Cran? But he wrote a book called I, Fatty that's like a fictionalized autobiography that was heavily historically researched about yeah his life and the experience of being charged with this murder and like just every it's it's a very intense story and you find yeah. out about like so many of these comedy figures of history even now are just so tragic like just such some of the most yeah. tragic figures it's like jesus christ mm-hmm. like like charlie yeah. chaplin it's like oh <laughs> buster keaton no 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 yeah Oh, so Elizabeth Short died. In, the Black Dahlia murder occurred in 1947. Yeah, so quite a bit, quite a bit later. Than a that. little bit after this, yeah. but still, I mean, they hadn't Hollywood hadn't cleaned up their act. Yeah, so <laughs> obviously not. Yeah, married couples were sleeping in separate beds on film, though. So, oh my that god, fixed everything. So I guess it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, they that's the government did everything they possibly could to help. <laughs> not showing not women really. out wearing pants but yeah so that's the that's the murder the unsolved murder of william desmond taylor anyone still <sighs> trying to solve it probably me okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, you're taking it on okay. <laughs> like yeah there was like a backdrop no behind no you. i actually know i'm sorry that's yeah. a terrible joke i'm not i'm not i honestly i I don't really see how this could be solved at this point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I doubt that there's any evidence left over. And, you know, it doesn't seem like DNA would even help if, yeah. No one's probably alive anymore. (laughs) It's just kind of like sad to think like, you know, you're murdered and there are multiple suspects. Like I would hope that if I were murdered, there's no suspect. It was a random fucking maniac like not like wow a lot of people want this bitch dead (laughs) yeah right (laughs) there are so many people who would have killed her the cops like we're gonna have to call in people for all these leads (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna need to set up those little line dividers (laughs) multiple people take a number to my murder like yikes (laughs) yeah like yeah that was me i love the idea of this one and just being like whatever i'm gonna hey i killed that motherfucker just like why not go out guns blazing like (laughs) i mean but if she did she got away with her i just have the idea of her not doing it it's just such a bizarre thing to do if you didn't do it that's why it makes me feel like she's my number one suspect just because it's bizarre thing to confess to at the end of your life you never did it People are really People weird. Are like fucking weird. Did she confess to anybody else's murder? Because then we know it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> How many like, maybe fucking murders like... did this lady confess to? <laughs> but like, who knows how much like opiates that lady's on and like whatever. Oh, she's, she's like in her nineties or whatever. She's part of the I... club. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I also killed Lincoln. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> They were connected, those deaths. <laughs> and I knew Martin Van Buren. He's my friend. <laughs> Jeremy Cran wrote about it. We all went to the movies yeah. and saw Eye to Eye together. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Amanda and Desiree, we always ask our our guests on the podcast, uh, what is your favorite bone? Oh, man. Or a bone that you're just like feeling right now. If you can't narrow it down. The the big bone thing. That's that. Pelvis. pelvis there you go pelvis bone yeah 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 it looks cool yeah we love the pelvis it does ah. i like the scapula i like the say scapula mm. you know scapula. The scapula little backbones yeah. yeah and also if you were like a trombone player you could start a band called scapula oh. and you can start oh. hey i'm sorry to your listeners and now we start a ska bone. band yeah, I was going to say, catch us Friday nights. The local pub yes. will be playing ska. Scapula. With our, our bone-themed instruments. Yeah. Do, we, do we play with our backs I, to I, the audience? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, uh, one of those shirts that just covers your front so you can see your back, right? Like, oh, like a halter top? On, um, shirt. <laughs> the 90s are back. I don't have tops. I don't think I have a bra that would work for that, actually. (laughs) Well, we'll have to go to a Victoria's Secret or something first, and then we'll talk. (laughs) Where can our uh, listeners find you? What do you want to plug? Oh, you can find us, our podcast, Cherish or Parish Pod, at cherishyourparishpod.com, on all those apps, all those apps where you get your podcasts and then instagram at cherish or perish pod yeah yeah we'll link link to that in the show notes yep and we do uh episodes every week on our podcast all about the movies we plumb our memories of our favorite movies of the past and put them under the harsh light of today Mm -hmm. to see if they hold up Spoiler alert. Thursdays. A lot don't. Um, yes, Thursdays. Every Thursday. Yeah, night, a lot it? don't. A lot do. A lot do. Some do. We had Some a long, long Oof. time where long we spell. perished a lot of movies. So. Oh. What would you say is the least, like, holds up under time genre of movie? Ooh. I think it like was surprised those, like those teen, of... like teen movies, you know, like a oh, high yeah, school actually, movie. Anything involving children, actually, well... But like more yeah, of an overarching, like, more of an overarching theme. Uh, rom-coms? Yep. Uh-huh, rom-coms. Okay. That's, it was our, our basic autumn with our... Uh, all rom-coms? All, all perished. Holy cow. <laughs> you have to be such a good rom-com. You have to be like moonlight level. Yeah. To well, be. like comedy doesn't age well, or a lot of comedy doesn't tend to age well. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those ones where you really know the intention, which is interesting because that one really comes fast, fast and heavy with a lot of tropes and stereotypes from questionable sources. Whereas I feel like, you know, uh, we discuss on our podcast, Serial Mom, uh, John Waters, who we know is an openly queer filmmaker, but doesn't necessarily mean the jokes land. I mean, everything holds up. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to hear more about this kind of talk, you should listen to that do. episode, which will be coming out. Episode <laughs> yeah. two. Yeah. Yes. And check out our episode <laughs> yeah. uh, about serial moms coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 72, if you guys need to look for it later in life. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was so nice to have you guys on. And it was really nice. I had to take a couple weeks off. Like I kind of talked at the top of the show. Uh, there was a 
unexpected death in my family, uh, my brother-in-law. So I needed to take a couple weeks off for that. Um, so it was really nice to come back and record with y'all. Oh, good. That's rough. Yeah. Sorry. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And all the yeah, I'll, love to your fans. Yes. Yeah. And anybody that uh, is a true crime fan uh, dealing with a death in your, you know, in your life, uh, let me know how you do that. <laughs> because <laughs> I am struggling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely been yeah. in a similar situation. It I don't even know what I was watching. A lot of Ghibli films, probably. <laughs> very gentle. Like, very gentle. Go back to yeah. the Disney movies. Yeah, I love Disney. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. But then you realize, like, oh, this is just, like, Hamlet with lions. This is really <laughs> dark. I know. It, it's like, you try to go back to the things you used to watch when you were a kid to make you feel, like, comforted, right? Oh, yeah. We the did a Legend lot. Of I watched Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. No, my nieces and I watched so many movies uh, while I was uh, with them kind of grieving. We watched, like, Shrek 1 and Shrek 2. We watched yeah. Cruella. We watched Tangled. Just, like, all oh, the Disney stuff. Yeah, for is, sure. Yeah, Congress. so healing right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's the best. Not an ad for Disney. No, no, no. (laughs) It's just the goddamn truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so wonderful to have you back, Katoon. Thanks. And so wonderful to have this, this, like I said, I think I called it a quadrangle of of feminine power on the podcast today. But I think there's only one thing left to do and it's to to say bon voyage. Oh yeah, we're gonna all say it at the same time. Oh, I'm ready? very excited yeah. about this. Okay, are you ready? Don't go too fast one, this time. That's okay. right. Two, three. Bon, bon voyage! Yes! <laughs> Alright, we love you. We'll see you next week. Goodbye! Bye! Bye. Thanks for listening to Anything Bones. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Anything Bones Podcast or email us at anythingbonespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Nick Kruger for our spooky music and Stephen Vetteroff at Chubby Scrubby on Twitter for our jazzy vocals. And thank you to Camilla Franklin at Camilla Strader on Instagram for our beautiful bony artwork. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Let Jeffrey B. Crayon. <laughs> Come on.